We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's your True Faith Newcastle United podcast, Leicester City 2, Newcastle United 4, and you've got myself, Alex Hurst, Simon Campbell, Mark Corby, and first-timer on the True Faith podcast free show, Emil Franchi. Emil, we're delighted to have you. Hell of a performance that, wasn't it? It was uh, an incredible performance. Leicester on a Friday night, you can't beat it. It's just a shame that we couldn't have any fans there. Um, It was the performance that we expected against Arsenal. And I was just thinking about this before we came on. I feel like Steve Bruce's Newcastle United is like a two-runny sketch in that we always seem to do the performance that should have happened the week before. It's a bit like the mastermind thing, you know, when he's answering the questions in the wrong order. So he'll give us the question and then he'll get the wrong answer. But then the next one will be the correct one. So you know what's going to happen next week? What should have happened against Leicester where we're going to get spanked? We're probably going to absolutely get done in by Man City. They'll bring guns to the match. (laughs) Yeah, wow. What a start. Um... (laughs) I totally agree with you, Emil, and I think I think amidst the euphoria and you know Simon Campbell, you saw it yourself this morning. Uh, Greg's on Sandy Lane, rammed. Newcastle have won a game, and uh, you know it'll be the same across the region, I'm sure. But I think there is also that question of like, like where was that last week? And I suppose from my point of view, I kind of feel like the start of the game was probably more of the same against Arsenal. But once we get past that first five minutes. And we're not a go down. There's this collective realization, plus maybe a little bit of Joe Willock, who we'll talk about lots, I'm sure, kind of realizing, wow, we're, we're in this game. These aren't that, that good. So I'm not trying to excuse Steve Bruce's passive, nonsensical shite that was turned out against Arsenal and against many others. But I do feel that if we don't concede an early goal, there's maybe a little bit of a natural reaction from the players. Like, let's get into these type of thing. Because uh, we've talked about it a lot on the podcast, lads, and, and lots of other Newcastle fans have had the same conversations, I'm sure. You know, surely it cannot be the plan. It cannot be the plan to let the opposition have all of the ball, all of the territory, all the shots, and all of the goals. Like, that cannot be the plan of the team because you will lose those games quite comfortably. I mean, Sai, for you, what was the what was the biggest difference yesterday? Because it was different and it was magnificent. <sighs> See, I... I... I think it just it just happened to work against Leicester that that what you've just said surely the plan wasn't to to sit off and let them have loads of the ball it probably was um I think Leicester found it very difficult to to get anywhere in the first 10 15 minutes and that frustration showed quite quickly and they started committing bodies forward because they're trying to get through basically two banks of five almost they, just, they weren't getting anywhere they were having no joy getting anywhere near our box whilst having a lot of the ball now as soon as they started committing you know 
their, their wing backs forward and and even at sent halves marauding to the halfway line, it left gaps, and that's when we start to exploit it. I think they just underestimated the. They probably expect us to perform like we did against Arsenal with with no energy, no urgency, like we didn't really give a give a shit. But actually, they got the opposite from Willock, Almiron, Maximan early doors, and and Wilson, and they just could not deal with that every time. Not even when we had the ball, when they had the ball, and they were trying to go from one side to the other across the back, there was pressure there, which I've not seen from Newcastle basically the whole time Bruce has been here. So I think. There was definitely a, a difference in the urgency and the effort levels, but I also think that the setup worked and that we, we frustrated them to the point of, of that it helped us turn the game over when when we struck. Do you think, sorry, it's simply the difference Joe Willock made? By the way, Joe, I call him Willock. In his interviews, he very clearly calls himself Willock. So I don't know if I need to change that out or respect him. As any line of duty fans, like it's not Steve Arnott, it's Steve Arnott. <laughs> Joe Willock. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new way of saying There's some people anyway. who still call Jamal Lascelles Lascelles, though, and it still creeps me out a bit when I hear that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a weird one. I don't ever want to meet those people. Sorry, did Joe Willock. Um, it was simply the fact that he played ahead of Longstaff for you, or was there more to it than that? Sort of. Like the difference he made in midfield was was like sensational. We went from a team that had no bite and no kind of um, presence in midfield to one that had all of it, like he was all over the place. And I think having him there balances the workload of the other midfielders. So I thought Miguel Amiron had his best game in weeks because he had a bit more freedom to to run the channels with a with a counterpart doing it on the other side of the pitch. So it wasn't like Miggy was doing all the work in midfield and doing all the running. There was two players doing all the running and that made such a difference. And it it almost allowed us to have one man down in Shelby because he was awful. But I think you're right. I think Joe Willock um, made a huge, huge impact on, on the way we were able to play Bruce Ball. Fair enough. And, and, I, and I want to talk about Joe Willock a lot as we go on. Um, Mark, Sai very harsh on Shelby there. He, I wouldn't even say it's opinion. People just didn't like him. To be fair to John Joe, he was crap, he man. He was well. crap. Are you, are you having that, Mark? You suggested to us in private that that maybe, maybe there's a <laughs> bit more of a discussion beyond Shelby's crap. I'm just, I just feel a new man because as I was telling you, I've, I've been off Twitter for a week and I feel liberated. I feel calm. <laughs> Um, I'm full of shit as well, mate. But uh, but no, the thing with Shelby is you, you lose as a team and you win as a team. And the only the only thing, unless I was a lot more drunk than I thought I was, but um, towards the end of the game, when the team was obviously showing a lot more confidence, spraying it around a lot easier, uh, we're finding a lot more space because obviously Leicester were chasing four goals. But there was t- there was glimpses there that Shelby still got something in there. Um, unfortunately. You know, once or twice a season is nowhere near enough. And I still stand by what I say that that man hasn't improved in the five years, well, the over five years he's been at the club. Um, but without, without it wanting to be a, a sort of a, a negative, uh, you know, show about John Joe Shelby, you know, I, for, for me, he still wouldn't be nowhere near the starting lineup um, when, when everyone's fit. And there, there is, you know, a question out there that perhaps the, the return on uh, points and results has improved somewhat since Hayden's been injured. And you can't argue with that. Um, but I would still prefer Hayden over Shelby. Um, but just a little bit to add on to what Sai said, though. Um, I personally think last night Shel- uh, Leicester weren't prepared. They weren't prepared for Newcastle. I think they turned up expecting just to just to, to turn us over like they did last season. And it wouldn't have surprised us 
as much, you know, to get to get battered like that. Um, it's it's funny because I, I know a few lesser supporters. I've had a quick scan on that Facebook this morning, this page I'm on, and uh, there's a meltdown. There's an absolute meltdown. Some of them are already saying that they should be looking at a new manager, and it's like, come on, he's a third in the league. He's in a cup final, and the, these are these are genuine, you know, supporters, hardcore supporters who have been going, you know, since the '80s and '90s, and it's amazing what a little bit of success. Um, you know, can do to, to support us. We've been there. We've experienced it under under Keegan to some extent, and certainly there's a there's an argument under uh, Bobby Robson that a selection of supporters, you know, made his made his position untenable. But <coughs> I just I just find it hilarious um, that the bit of a meltdown going at Leicester over that. Yeah, you've 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 told us many times, Mark, about your experience of that up here in the nineties of the of the change in. Uh attitude of the supporters but yeah, yeah i think you're right i think leicester failed to prepare for newcastle united and i i said this quite flippantly last night in the post-match because out of delirium really but brendan rogers's comments before the game about how well organized newcastle were and, and bigging up steve bruce and the job he's done and and you can see what he's trying to do it felt like he, he over prepared for steve bruce's newcastle united and whatever they try to do didn't work because like you, you expected this really good organized newcastle team and actually we, we hit him with what we, what we have won games with this season is just chaos, which is players all over the place and, and good players having mint games. And I, I still don't think there was a, a, a huge amount of structure to what we did last night. We were just much, much better all over the park. And I think they just didn't anticipate that. I thought they they came they came with a very rigid plan and it, it just didn't work. And to be fair, we criticised Bruce for in-game management. I don't think Rodgers was able to turn it around throughout that game, apart from maybe the last 10 minutes. But that coincided with Willock going off injured and us kind of losing our grip on the game a bit. But yeah, I, I totally agree. They they looked so unprepared for Steve Bruce's Newcastle United, which sounds ridiculous. The main the main the main difference for me, and to bring it back to the original question about was it just Joe Willock, um last week Arsenal were able to play the ball through the middle of the pitch incredibly easily. You know, great you know, balls breaking the lines, not that we had any lines because we're a disparate mess against Arsenal. But I felt, and to stick up for John Joe a little bit, and, and, and it's kind of a backhanded compliment this, because running shouldn't be something you compliment a player on. But I don't know if you could hear this. I always, if I can, watch the games with the crowd noise off, the fake crowd noise, which I hate. Um, and as a result, when you watch Newcastle play, you just hear big Steve Agnew's voice booming from the sidelines for about 90 minutes, screaming. It must be so annoying for the opposition bench. Like, will you shut up, man? <laughs> <laughs> I tried to watch the match. Um, and he was, anytime any player got near John Joe, Steve Agnew was screaming at John Joe, John Joe, John Joe, into him, into him, John Joe. Like the, the word John Joe is just in my head uh, last night as I slept and had nightmares about John Joe <laughs> needing a coach to shout at him to run. But what, what you did see in your right side about Elmeron is on this liberated role, fantastic pass for the fourth goal, by the way, from Elmeron. That, that kind of little reminder of his quality in the final third even though he's been played as a holding midfielder effectively, is that Willock and Amaron and Shelby getting into people, getting into Madison, making them go out wide, almost looked like a good tactical plan. Because what, you know, with Jamie Vardy in the team, Jamie Vardy's an excellent player, we all know what Jamie Vardy is, but he, but he isn't a kind of Callum Wilson. He isn't get the ball in the box and get me head on it. And by forcing Leicester consistently out wide, and then with the fullbacks coming into play and being able to put pressure, particularly, I mean, 
Richie probably had a more eye-catching game than Murphy, but Murphy was brilliant for just getting in people's faces, forcing them backwards. And once they started going backwards, once Leicester were like, well, we didn't expect this. We expected to waltz up to the box, pop it off and someone have a shot. Leicester started going backwards. And like you say, Si, this kind of like, what the fuck is going on from them? This, this was supposed to be one night off. And these lads have turned up for a game of football, really unsettled them. And then you've got Joe Willock, you know, hurrying, hassling, nicking the ball off them, and all of a sudden he castle up, up. And I, and I feel like when Leicester go back in at half-time there, they're very much like, what on earth has just happened, Brendan? You said Steve Bruce was good, but no one believe, wouldn't believe you. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I suppose, to move it on, we'll talk about Willock a little bit more later. We'll have to talk about uh, Callum Wilson, or as he refers to himself, just Wilson, classic Wilson. Amelia, a big fan. I do. I, I love the the arrogance of strikers. I think that you know, we we want a striker who's going to be greedy. We want the striker who's going to try and do it all himself because that is what we've we've had uh, drilled into us through uh, Alan Shearer. It's the striker that wants to do everything. If he could run the game, he would. And I think that interview afterwards just makes you think, you know, he still wasn't content with that second goal. He wanted the first one to go in and he was gutted about it being a rebound. That is the type of person you want leading the line. And I think that, as well as that, every time it gets into Wilson's feet, yes, it, it did fall to him a few times, but the balls in were absolutely incredible. Um, when he took Schmeichel on, you know, no other striker that we've got is going to do that, unfortunately, at the minute. Um, and it, it just it fills you with joy, warms the cockles to see him taking down uh, another Danish man with blonde hair uh, for Newcastle United. It's absolutely brilliant. I love it. And um, there's a bit of Keegan in there for uh, Corby, by the <laughs> way. Um, it, it, it just he's beaming after the game, and you know we talk about these big stars coming back, and I, I know that we we sometimes like to play down that because you don't want to think that we are just a, a two man team of San Maximan and Wilson, but the difference he makes, man. Like we, we've seen it in the Everton game when he ran the show there. Um, it's, it's something about that yellow kit, I think, with Wilson. He, he, he loves it. He loves playing away, as he put on his Instagram today. Um, I don't know if there's a mixed message there, but um, <laughs> his missus might not be too happy. Um, but yeah, that yellow kit and Wilson is just going hand in hand, like CC in orange. I think with um, with, with Wilson, uh, you know that that performance at Everton was probably the the most complete striking performance we've seen for a very, very long time. Um, but what, one thing I like about Wilson is he's not afraid to miss. He's not afraid to, you know, miss opportunities. I mean, there was a couple of examples yesterday when uh, Willock, um, in fact, not Willock, uh, when Willock was getting into positions and, you know, you could see the ball. And you, if Wilson was a little bit ahead of the game, a little bit ahead of the ball, perhaps if he was 100% fit, if he's not 100% fit, he might have got there. He might have got there first. There was two occasions. And what I what I loved about Willock was the fact that he sort of turned to Wilson. And I don't think he bollocked him, but he, I think he made his point clear. You, you should have been in there. There was two occasions in the first half. Um, but as Emil said, um, Will, Wilson, for me, he's the most... He's probably our most complete striker since probably Denver Bar, isn't he? Um, you know, you, you can't help but admire him. And... I thought it was a very, very ambitious statement the other day when he says, I'm aiming for 15 to 20 goals. I thought, what? what? Where's he going with that? But he's, he's got two he's got two unexpected ones for me last night. And with Sheffield United at home and Fulham uh, away to come, you've, you've got to say 15 is a reasonable target. And that, that would be a good return, considering he's, um, he's missed probably about 12, 13 Premier League games. So, fair play to him. 
be a great return considering that we don't really have the ball very often as a team or <laughs> yeah. or, or, or or win often. Um no, I, t- I totally agree with you. I think I think Wilson, like you correctly saying, you know, the you know, the arrogance is is a is a really positive force on it's got to be on the whole squad. I think you can kind of tell, we'll ignore the Arsenal game for now because it was such a car crash, but you can kind of tell that everyone else maybe stands a little bit taller, moves a little bit quicker when Wilson's in the team because because he leads from the front. Um, you know, you're, you're right, Emil, with it, about his post-match interview, but he also said through the week that he wasn't satisfied with 10 goals. That's not very Newcastle United. I don't know whether it's because he doesn't really spend much time at the training ground, but it doesn't seem to have infected him yet, the kind of acceptance of mediocrity. And, and as a fan, that's what you want to hear. You want to hear, like Steve Bruce is saying after the game yesterday, when I talk about his post-match comments as usual a little bit later, but he's like, I think we're up the 13th or something. And it's like, you know, right, nosebleed territory, but that's also still a bit shite. Not a kind of, oh, we're up the 13th now. Whereas you get the feeling, quite rightly, when you say, Mark, that Wilson's got his, his, his sights set much higher than that. You know, I do worry if he says he's aiming for 20 goals that he has already got his next move lined up because it ain't going to happen at Newcastle United. Or <laughs> uh, maybe that's me being negative. Um, as performances-wise, Miguel Amiron, it's very Twitter, but, uh, but, but since we are still in the United Kingdom under lots of restrictions, I rely on Twitter for <laughs> my socialising and my opinion forming of Newcastle United fans, and, and, and Almiron got a little bit of stick last week, Si. Um, do you think we saw the best of him yesterday, and, and, and was it just simply a case of all the factors that were said before, or do you think there was something you know about his performance that you thought uh, you know you recognised from any other factor? Yeah, I, I think, <clears throat> as we as we said just before, I think having Willock in the midfield gave him so much more freedom to, to play his game, but I also think he... he Upped, upped, upped himself another gear. He, there was something about him last night that was that wasn't there last week, and probably hasn't been there for a few weeks. He's um, in this defensive midfield role, which I, I don't think he relishes. But I think because we were able to get forward and and kind of do some actual counter attacking, where he was given a bit of time on the ball, he, he seemed to start enjoying it and getting really involved in the game. And that's that's the Miguel Almiron we want to see. It's um, his it's position is is that kind of behind the striker number ten, where he's running at players in their half. He shouldn't really be doing it from his own half. But because of the way the game went, and uh, we almost like just took control after after about 10, 15 minutes, it, he was getting those opportunities to run with the ball, to run at players, to run the channels. And as you've just said, with, with Wilson in the side and with players like Richie and Murphy on the wings, making those runs isn't futile. Making those runs, you, you're going to get the ball uh, more often than not because we've got the, the, the right players holding on to it, bringing other players in the game. So I think Almiron just enjoys it way more when, when everything's clicking like that, whereas he is a, a pardon the cliche, a luxury player that, that doesn't really enjoy being part of a Newcastle side that has 20% possession and fails to kind of make any kind of impact on, on the other team. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was going to say in general the the confidence of of the the team uh, that we saw in the uh, the the build up to the fourth goal. I know that pretty much everyone, even Dubravka, was involved in the build up to that one. Um, it's just so nice to see, and maybe there's something about the king power because I, I was just ready. I, I kind of part of me wanted someone to just start giving the ball to Leicester just so we could have one of those, you know, runs of, of tackling <laughs> them a little bit. It would have been nice to see, just you know, just re- really take the piss, but. Yeah, I think that it was so good to see that, you know, we got 
the three goals. And if there was a crowd there, you would have heard the the cheers going up of yay, yay. And it was just good to see Newcastle get themselves in a comfortable position, which meant that they could just do that. And then, you know, we, we got the fourth goal from that. And I think that the, the clips flying around on Twitter saying, you know, it's not getting a lot of uh, of, of press and, you know, goal, goals don't tend to really. It's, it's the person who scores it. But yeah, Almiron's part of that. Even Shelby, I would say, is probably part of that. And that that is the attitude thing that, that we were talking about. Um, well, <laughs> Simon Sai's shaking his head, but I, I, I think that Shelby is, is very much a, a chips are up player, is what I'm trying to say. I think that... Um, is if the team is performing around him, then you know it's it's one of those where he will look more involved. Um, there's less tracking back to do. Uh, I'm not saying, hey, look, I don't need the stats <laughs> up underneath me. Absolutely, get mugging me off here. Um, but but you know what I mean. I mean that it, it's a it's a team effort in that situation. No. When when confidence is high, Shelby will look more involved naturally. Yeah. Um, if we're losing against Arsenal two 0 then. It's going to be the absolute opposite. He's he's got he's got no middle ground, and and you know Almiron has probably got a middle ground. I think, and I think yes, yesterday was higher than that mark. That wasn't two mark, by the way. I was just talking about the actual mark. I assume, Sai, since you've whacked us starts on screen for people watching on YouTube. And just could you read them outside? Because, you know, the thousands who listen to this can't see it. Yeah, I, I legitimately thought Shelby was was poor yesterday and, and we won in spite of him. Um, John Joe Shelby last night. To, this is a kind of our, our creative talisman midfielder. Total shots, one. Total passes, and he played the full game, 28, which pretty good for Newcastle because we normally complete about 28 passes as a team. But um, <laughs> I think his pass success was 64%, though. So what's that like? About 18 of those passes were, um, were went to a Newcastle player. One of them was a key pass, and he made zero tackles in his kind of marauding around our own half <laughs> playing all game. And I know what you said earlier, um, Dodgy, about him. He did kind of shepherd the play towards the wings, and then that, maybe that was by design, but he hasn't tackled one Leicester player in 90 minutes. I just don't, I don't know what he brings. I would love to see um, Sean Longstaff playing the Shelby role in a team that has Willock and Almiron. Because I think Longstaff has a passing range. He can shoot. He can get up and down the pitch. He's a bit more athletic. But he's got the this, the attributes that Shelby's supposed to bring to the team of, of being creative and being able to move the ball quickly to to create um, counter-attacking opportunities. So, in my opinion, uh, that's that's the one change I would make uh, for the Man City game. Do you, do you think that he's actually going to lose his place, though? Because we've had this conversation about Lascelles before. You know, if he's perhaps looking like the weakest centre-half, that captain armband just protects anyone who's got it, unfortunately. And that that is the issue here. It seems as though as soon as Shelby is vice, they're not going to give it to anyone else. I mean, I, I'd love to see Richie get it. I'd love to see one of the other players, even Wilson, lead lead the team out. But it, it just seems as long as Shelby is kept as vice-captain when Lascelles isn't there... He's undroppable, and and that seems to be the thing that everyone's forgetting. I think when people are like, "What's he got on him?" You know, why why is he not dropping Shelby? It's like he's got he's got the captain's armband, so he's not going to drop him. It's it's just oh. one of those weird things, and it feels like Steve Bruce is like a traditionalist who, like you're like, well, we're not going to take the armband off, him, are we? You know, you know, he's, he's worked. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like taking like a, a lollipop off someone at a at a play school, saying, "Well, well, he's 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 worked hard for that," and um, you know. 
Uh, <laughs> we're not. He's, he's eaten half of it already, so we're not going to take it out for the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're bang on. Uh, yeah, I would like to see uh, Longstaff in that midfield, but there is yeah. a not even not even a one percent chance that happens. He will. Shelby keeps his place. And to be fair, he has been captain in this run of form that we're in. Um, like you say, if you minus the Arsenal game and probably have to remove the Liverpool game, which was just a weird, weird non non football match where we somehow got a point. But um, yeah, there's no there's no chance he gets dropped, and he's had quite quite a, a good win percentage as captain so um there'll be stats to back up why he stays in the team in spite of his individual performance and uh, yeah i don't know he doesn't strike me as a captain he doesn't strike me as a leader his uh presence on the pitch doesn't come across as someone like richie beside him but um i suppose i would say that the team was full of leaders last night i think wilson leads from the front i thought you've always got richie on the pitch kicking people up the ass i thought um fernandez was excellent and and with dummett beside him who is for for his faults is is he's been around a long time. He's an experienced player, and Dubravka just just adds that air of kind of of calmness to the back. So I think there's leaders all over the pitch to the point where does Shelby need to make that much impact as captain, or is it just a tokenistic? He's our highest paid and Steve's most loyal servant that he's just going to assume that role. So yeah, I, you're right. He will never ever ever be dropped. But I would like to see it one day. One day. I think just a quick one uh, to finish on 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 Shelby. Um, he, him and Darlow have um, started more Premier League games than anyone else. They've both started twenty five. Um, you know, so there's this. It's that, that old argument, isn't it, Sai? Where does does a player do enough in training yeah. <laughs> to, to to merit a starting uh, a guaranteed start um, when it comes to match day? You know, we had it with Shola for many years. Um, I can't remember which player we we were talking. Was it Joe, Joe Linton at the start of the season? What what are they doing in training to merit a, a start? And it, it goes to something what was said um, before the game as well from the pundits, as well as it's still used as an excuse. Yes, we will look a weaker team. We are a weaker team without um, St. Maximum Wilson and uh, Almiron. That, that that's been used as a an excuse and a reason throughout the season. But if you look at how many games have actually featured, I've just double checked before we come on. Almiron's featured in 30 Premier League games. He started 24 of them. Um, Wilson's featured in 25. He started 22. <clears throat> and St. Maximum's featured in 21. He started 15. So even though we've missed him for a considerable chunk collectively, they've still played a hell of a lot of games. So maybe it's time to stop using it as an excuse and just try and build on what we're doing now. You know, I think, um, is, it, is it two defeats in nine Bruce's using? I'd rather look at it from a, a positive... Is it 10? So I'd rather look at it from a point of view of, look, we've, we've took 11 from 18 since the Brighton game. Was it 11 and 54 something before then? And then we're starting to score goals. We're, we're you know, averaging two a game um, since that Brighton game. This You've got to look at it as a, as a, as a positive. Um, I, I think it's just a little bit, when you start thinking, I know we'll probably get to that point, but when you start thinking about next season, there's a lot of players in that match day team and the squad you really don't want to start next season with for me. Um, you, you, we've mentioned Fernandez and Wilson and the proper leaders. Shelby's not a leader for me, and I think size stats has probably backed that up in regards to his his, his in game play last night. If you want to put it that way, Chris Woff of the Athletic and a friend of the show did an excellent piece uh, about Newcastle United since the gloves came off after Sheffield United. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Joe Shelby has played every minute of every game 
since that fixture mm-hmm. when he was when he was dropped, I think, um, for that game. So yeah, he's probably here to stay. Let's take it back away from John Joe. Uh, <laughs> on to Joe Willock. I mean, we've talked already about the <clears throat> the impact that he made and, and potentially a, you know transformative effect on his teammates and the rest of the team. Five goals in. In ten starts for Newcastle, possibly, or not, not, not even that. Sorry, five goals and eleven appearances. Yeah. You know, Alan Shearer esque level of um of goals to game ratio. Uh, I'll open this up to you, lads. Who who wants to talk about his performance and, and what you were impressed by in particular? Fastest finger first. I, I was just going to jump in straight away. I just it, it's just a breath of fresh air having him on that pitch. He's everywhere we aren't prior to him joining us. Uh, we saw it the first game. Was that the Southampton goal where immediately everyone said that Sam Maximan's finally got someone to run the ball into the box to, and there he was, and he scored the goal. Amazing. Um, that that's that's the way to get your your fans on board. But equally, um, Tottenham game, the header uh, when it bounced off the post and in, that was another one. West Ham, right position, right time. Same thing happened with Liverpool, but he was actively trying to score a goal in that game. Like he, he's a, a person who I always describe it as being the, the lads from up here, but sadly they've kind of not, not done it as much recently. But the lads who are literally going to run through a wall to make sure that Newcastle United get a result. Richie's one of them since he's come back in. That's great. But yeah, Willock um, has certainly done that. And yesterday, getting a full game out there, the, the first goal, the way that he just like went round Soyuncu was amazing. I know it was a little slip, but again, just doing the stuff that is unheard of in this Newcastle United team. Um and then he was there again. I think that he set off the move that I mentioned before about the fourth goal. Uh, it was Willick that won the ball and then he passed it around, set the thing going. I, I thought that it looked like he would set himself up, but there's just communication there. And I know he's young, but imagine what he's going to be like in like three years. I think for, for me, um, it's his enthusiasm. It's he's, he's, it's, it's a cliche in football, but you can see his he's hunger. Yep. He wants to be a top player. Um, as I said before, he's not frightened to turn around to players like Callum Wilson and say, look, mate, you should have been in there. I'm, I'm, I'm grafting my arse off. You're getting in positions, putting balls in the box. You should, you should have been ahead of that. And I, I, that's what I love about him. He reminds me of, um, he reminds me a little bit like Lee Clark in a way. Lee Clark was very, very good at that. He would, he would, he would dictate the play. He would pop into positions where he just didn't expect them. But for me, the fact that he can grab goals. And as you say, um, Alex, you know, his goal ratio was fantastic. And the problem we've got now, and I don't want to take it down to a, down to a negative because we've got him for at least another three games, but how the hell are we going to sign him next season? Because we've got to sign him. We've got to sign the lad and build the team around him for me. Um, Can I just... Good- yeah. Jump, jump, just jump on that one there. We, we discussed this on um, the preview on Thursday, just about getting players. And, and I did make a point of saying that Bruce does seem to have some sort of magic word with Ashley that that gets his man. So the fact we got Wilson, the fact that we got Willock on the on the loan anyway. I, I don't know who's pulling the strings with this one, but especially with getting um, you know, the, the ghost Ryan Fraser and um, who was the other one, uh, Lewis that we got. Yeah. It did seem like they were very Bruce signings. So he seems to do something that just appeases Ashley, which we know what that is, um, in order to get the man. So maybe, maybe this will mean that we, we get it. But again, this, this all comes down to what's going on outside of everything else at the minute, unfortunately, with, with Ashley. Just to, just to finish it on my point, um, 
I hope he's there next season because you can already see that he's got a he's got a he's got an affinity with the club. He's got you can sense that there's a relationship building with the supporters, mm-hmm. and that lad playing in front of a pack seniors as Park who will back them hundred um, percent. That could take him to. I'm being premature here, but I think what I'm trying to say is that'll take him to a level that will really make him probably fall in love with the football club. Um, he hasn't played in front of us yet. Yeah, I agree. I think that's the only the only hope we have is that he, he, he gets bitten by that bug and he, he's a sort of player that it could happen with because, yeah, the, the fans will love him because of his the impact he's had. And he does seem to love it, but he, I also think he's he's... <laughs> He's just quite an intelligent lad and speaks well and probably just always knows the right thing to say. So I, I have no doubt his ambitions are higher than Newcastle, but whether or not another year here, if that was permissible by Arsenal, would be would would be what works out for everyone. I can't see us buying him because I can't see us spending the money, but if there's a way, um, I think he looks like he's up for it, which is, which is really encouraging. Yeah, I was going to say, Mark, I, I love the idea of it, but... Um... We've been here before, haven't we? You know, like Remy yeah. said all the right things and, you know, was loving Newcastle and then couldn't wait to be away from it. Which, which to, you know, you can't blame these players, can you? <laughs> for, for, for wanting to play European football and, and play with better players. But I, I hope you're right. Um, for, for me, I'm trying to think of the right thing to say, which is problematic because we're recording a podcast and a YouTube video. <laughs> but for, for, for me, I think that I think that he is... Too good, and I hate saying that. I think he's too good. So I think if he was if he was going to come here, if you think about Joe, whatever you know, twenty one years old, where is he going to be in five years? So even if he moves to Newcastle, what's the next step for a player beyond Newcastle? Young players are advised like this, and they're talked to by agents and family about this. So it's like if you move to Newcastle now, where where's your next move after that? Because it's unlikely Newcastle is is an unstable football club for God's sake. Two yeah. fucking the court cases against the league at the minute because the owner is desperate to leave. And then if the owner is desperate to leave, you know, new people bring in a new manager. What does that mean for the players? All of these things will will weigh heavy on a player's mind about signing contracts and all that kind of stuff. So I just feel like I think there is a chance we'll get him. And Amelia Point is an excellent one about Bruce managing to do things which no other manager in the Ashley era has managed to do. And if he says, if he turns up and says, I want Joe Willock. If we've got thirty million pounds to spend, let's spend it on him because we do have a, a fairly, you know, big squad. Um, provided that players are given new contracts, who are about to leave. But I, but I just wonder whether Joe Willock would, would want to come, and you know, and if we take him on loan again for another year, it's very difficult, isn't it? I mean, to build a, a club around him. But then let's let's face it, you know, when's the last time he started a game for Newcastle before? Before yesterday, I <laughs> hasn't. He's up. We're all, you know, sat here talking about him. Surely, questions. I mean, we are the type to ask questions to Steve Bruce. We might ask some later on. You know, why is he not played more? This is ridiculous. Why has he not played more? Emil? Um, well, it's beyond me to say. I think that it just comes down to the fact that Bruce didn't like to change. He, he thinks that the team that went out the week before played well enough, so let's keep them all on. It's happened with Joe Linton. And that, that's why I sometimes do have a bit of sympathy for Joe Linton, because he'll put in the game of his life one week, and then the week after that, because Bruce has kept him there without changing anything, 
he's expected to do it just again. And I, I don't actually think anyone's told Joe Linton that, that, that that's that's the case with Bruce. Um, but with Willock not getting his game again, you know, Shelby is the immovable object that Joe Willock keeps keeps meeting there. And and somehow he's he's thrown Sean Longstaff in his path and Joe's gone, oh, I'll have him. Um, and and uh, off we go. I, I mean, I, if, if we were looking at the ideal scenario, I'd like to see Hayden and and Willock line up next to next to each other next season. That's a real two fingers up towards Arsenal and the talent that they've thrown away. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I've just I've thought about it. There, do, do you think Willock's a little bit like Mikel Mourinho? Mikel Mourinho, I know that his um, his head did get turned a bit, but certainly seems like that player that really endeared himself to the fans. But then fell short or fell out of favour, which I always think is a sad situation because he went on to do some good things in Spain. But with with Willock, um, yeah, I mean, Mark said about where would he go afterwards and he compared it to Lee Clark. I don't know if he's implying that he might end up at Sunderland at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Just a a quick point on that. It's a great question, Mourinho. Yeah, it it goes to show, though, how desperate Newcastle supporters are, are, are to hang the hat on a player Someone who's that little bit different, who, you know, is not just... I mean, I don't want to be negative about Chelvy, Hayden, Longstaff, etc. But Willock's got that... He's different. He, he's, he's got something about him. Mourinho had something about him. But then he just seemed to lose it overnight for me. And it was no surprise that he that he left. Um, but, yeah, it, it, there's something different about these players. And um, I think you've sort of turned my head a little bit there, what you're saying, Alex, because... the, the the real, realistic view, what we should have is Newcastle United at the moment is just drifting and it's just existing to exist. And we're thinking of planning into next season. And what I was going to say was we should have something to look forward to. And, you know, but at the minute, what you've just said, it's a bit of a reality check. Uh, but, but going back to last night, that's why we enjoy these moments so much and these results because the unexpected was scored four goals away from home. Um, in Leicester, you know, will qualify for the Champions League. Um, you know, a, a little point that was made though, just before I bring bring uh, Sai in on that, um, it was 66 years to the day, wasn't it, that we were last picked up a domestic trophy? And then uh, someone made a point, yeah, it was five years to the day that Leicester won the Premier League, and you think, wow, that's mm-hmm. flown. But then, you, but then you think, Leicester's won the Premier League, and Newcastle still haven't. We went down that season. We went down that season. It's always yeah. tainted for me. Someone was talking about it the other day. I was watching. In fact, it was the Andrea Bocelli clip came up, and I still, I still think that that is one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in football. <laughs> but equally, one of the most beautiful things. I mean, Claudio Ranieri telling Leicester fans to just shut up while his mate sings some opera. It's a class. I was like, that is amazing. That is what I mean. Who the hell would we get? I mean, we're going to get someone like Robson and Jerome doing a sing along on the pitch with with a with a side. Um, uh, helping of Jimmy Nail doing Big River as the as the sun goes down. I would love that. Um, I've kind of gone into my fantasies here, but look, that that season is completely tainted for me because I was like, oh great, Leicester won the league, but Newcastle went down. It's oh, just like, yeah. why can't we have nice things, man? It's not fair. <laughs> I'll, I'll do one one last point on Joe Willock, who has spent the majority of this uh, podcast talking about. But um, I think the the bigger the bigger question or the wider question for him is is what. What would he get out of another year at Newcastle? So, um, if 
if like most of us probably suspect we're in for another year of pretty much the same we'll have some good weeks we'll have some bad weeks we'll fight relegation all year and we'll see what happens at the end um we'll see what the accumulation of, of points brings us um but i think a bigger question for him is what, what what's he going to get out of it and he, he just has to look around newcastle at the minute at some of the other young players are they developing as they should under steve bruce i'm looking at um jamal lewis i'm looking at both long staffs I would even include Joe Linton, who's only, what, 22, 23? Like, are these players developing at, at, at a key point in their career? And are they the examples to follow? Is there's a Newcastle setup, coaching, and the way we approach uh, football best for him? And yes, it, it, it's definitely working for him at the minute. I mean, he's, his value must be increasing by 5 million a week at the minute. But he, he'll he be looking at that, and he'll not be stupid, and his agent will not be stupid. And I dare say the, the lads at Arsenal will not be stupid. They'll be saying, hmm. I don't know, mate. I don't know if that's a, a long-term plan for you. So that's my only concern is that even if he wants to, he might have to just think about whether it is what's best for him. And and hand on heart, it's not what's best for him. And I'm sure there's plenty of uh, the above who would agree. Yeah, I was going to make a very quick point there and compare it to the the Jack Harrison situation at Man um, Man City. I always forget he is a Man City player who's been at Leeds now for a couple of seasons, and he's there. It's almost like these these big clubs do loan deals quite smart, unlike Chelsea, who seem to let everyone go. Um, it almost keeps them warm, and it keeps an eye on them, and and they can do good things. And I, I think that. With Arsenal, it might play into our hands here. Maybe I'm being like speculating a lot here and really overestimating what, what we can do. But if you think about the way that Arsenal are at the minute, Arsenal have just gone out of Europe. They've not qualified for Europe for the first time in, what, like 15 years? 25. 25. Is that it? Wow. Um, God, how how unfortunate for them, you know. Poor, <laughs> poor bastards. Um but yeah, I was thinking like the, the situation at Arsenal is that they need something to really get the fans on board, whether it's the the, the Cronkers are still there or if uh, Mr. Spotify comes in and builds a new playlist of players, um, then, you know, it might mean that Arsenal are going to go through some wholesale changes, which try to get the fans back on board, similar to what we're probably going to see with Manchester United if these rumours about them going for Kane is true. Um, Arsenal probably needs someone bigger name than Joe Willick, regardless of ability in that centre mid. And I think that, I mean, the have marked Odegaard to be part of those plans and he's fit in quite well. So maybe we will be lucky to get Willock for another season and then, you know, we'll we'll literally just tie him up in the the training grounds and, and just, you know, say the right words, play play him purely belter on repeat um, <laughs> until he starts saying, Willock, and and that that's it. Got him. Yeah, I've got some very jolly ideas, as you can tell. <laughs> I hope you're right, Emil. Um, well said, well said. Uh, I think we'll move on from Willock and talk about just Mark. I'll come to you for this one. We haven't talked that much just about the the size of the result. Newcastle United, seventeenth place in the league have gone to Leicester City, FA Cup final on the horizon, third place in the Premier League, have been in the top four all year. Um. And and we've won four two and we've scored four goals away from home, and we probably could have scored more if, if you've been really critical on St Maximan, you know who who had a very average game and that, it's a, good, a really good thing, you know we love him and he's superb, but to for Newcastle to win without his input predominantly can only be a positive. Um, he's earned it, Bruce, I would say. Say that again, mate. Sorry, I was just saying I think he's earned it. Yeah. Oh yeah. De- definitely. Yeah. 
he um you know if he doesn't perform on the pitch he comes he comes home and he performs on social media so he's still contributing <laughs> one way or another mark bruce said this was this was the best uh, performance and win in his time here and, and you know how how would you analyze that yeah absolutely totally um i, I go back to the point that to put a negative spin on it Leicester didn't prepare as i said earlier um Leicester didn't look the Leicester that we expected they didn't just it just didn't click for them last night but Newcastle capitalized and it wasn't as if it was smash and grab if it was a smash and grab and we've beat a team away from home when ultimately we're still in a relegation fight if we had just sneaked it one nil um you would have went yeah that was a great Steve Bruce you know smash and grab result but it wasn't as you said Alex we could have scored five six seven um as Emil said earlier what a shame the fans weren't there because we've had some fantastic nights down there recently. Some great results, obviously not including the five 0 hammering. Um, but but yeah, it was certainly his, his best result, his best performance. Um, I did mention the Everton one earlier because that was such a shock, and we thought that that had had um, you know Jones coming in was going to have that immediate impact. But what I will say is, since Jones has come in. We are scoring more goals. Um, I think we've scored three, is it, against Southampton and West Ham at home. Four we at Leicester. Before that, we'd only scored three once, and that was at home to Burnley, I think, off the top of my head. So you've got, you've got to look at the... the, the if, if it's if it's work in progress, which is what we, we were always told for the first 18 months of Bruce's tenure, then if this is the progress, and this is, you know, um, 11 points from 18, and we take that into next season... Then has he earned the final year of his contract? Yeah, you could say so. Do I want Steve Bruce to be there anytime after that? Certainly not. Yeah, I, I was just going to make comparisons to last season, and I, I was talking to a mate of mine who who is a Sunderland fan. I've got another mate who's a Hull fan saying that it seems to be that that Bruce can do these big scoring away games towards the end of the season, and it it happened last year. Bournemouth was was a prime example where we. Did really well, and yeah, I know the Bournemouth weren't exactly at the races, but then you might say the same about Leicester. But that is the performances where our caliber need to capitalize on, which we, we did very well. And you know, there's got to be some sort of influence with Graham Jones and 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 bringing him in. I don't think that he's had the the hands-on approach that everyone seemed to think he had when we we did beat Everton. You know, just completely taking over and uh, standing on the touchline and doing everything. But um, I want to know what's on that that iPad screen that they've got because it's since that came in, that is the key player here. It's like I, you know, I don't know if they've maybe personally. I think they're just watching Stranger Things. But you know, it's just there's always the players are coming over. They're like, look at this, look at this, here. like just showing each other like loads of funny TikToks or something like that. Um, <laughs> But maybe that's it. Maybe it's just the good feeling from the bench is what we're getting now. I think what's on that iPad is someone reminding Steve Bruce not to call out anyone in his post-match interview. But just, <laughs> just be nice, be diplomatic. Don't mention don't, Craig. <laughs> yes, don't mention the supporters. Don't try and play the big fella. Just accept it for what it is. And, and to be honest, what I will give credit for uh, credit to Bruce for before I bring Sai in... Um, is the fact that his his interviews now aren't as cringeworthy? They're not as that he's he's not deflecting it as much. I, I don't think I heard anything last night where I thought you're really winding me up here. I'm sure I may have heard something different, mate. But but he's 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 not winning us over. But he's winning us over because he's not winding us up anymore. 
Imagine that. Imagine when we when we win a game, he doesn't have to blame his players. He doesn't have to blame the supporters. He doesn't have to blame <laughs> Craig Hope. Um, Hope. Yeah, look. Yeah, I actually I didn't want to spoil last night's results, and I came straight on here to do the the post match with Adam. So I didn't I haven't seen what Bruce said afterwards, and I haven't gone out looking for it. Alex, I don't know if you're going to spoil my my day with what he has said, but. Um, yeah, I, I think it's easy. For, it's easy to come out after after beating Leicester four two away and and not put your foot in your mouth. Even Bruce should be capable of that. So I'm going to trust that he didn't say anything stupid. But um, I I would like to speak a little bit to what happened after Willock went off because uh, for ten to fifteen minutes we went back to chaos Newcastle and no plan Newcastle and conceded two really poor goals and. You know, had that been earlier in the game, the 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 draw for Leicester was on, um, and it's it's something we've got to cut out. It, it, Joe Willock can't be that important that as soon as he's off the pitch, the the game goes to shit. Um, I think it, it was a the the in-game management was lost again. I think the the I thought he was trolling us by putting Joe Linton and Jeff Hendrick on. I don't know what why why do that? Why not just accept that? You know, I've picked my best players, and I'm going to accept that this is my best team instead of pissing people off by putting them on that annoyed me but um i don't know i suppose i suppose that i'm dwelling a little bit too much but yeah this is the first game we've played 80 minutes well uh he just needs 90 minutes for, for me to start thinking actually we've got a chance here he did say after the game that it, it you know it wouldn't be newcastle unless we had like a bad end to the game and conceded a couple of goals and it's like ah, steve that's your like it's you it's you <laughs> fair enough we said if it, if it, it wouldn't be a steve bruce side i'd accept that but you know, of all the negatives around Newcastle United this season and last, um, you know, not being great at three 0 up is the least of our problems. But we, you know, we're three 0 up against West Ham last season. We're three 0 up against West Brom last season. And we're four 0 up here. And at the end of those games, there was only one team going to score. And it wasn't us. But never mind that. For now, um, we can we can live with that. And I suppose that's correct me if I'm wrong here. I can't think of a of a victory like that. I can't think of Newcastle in the Premier League. In the modern era, so I'll, I'll go back to maybe like Graham Souness's time, going away from home to a top four side and dominating like that and, and scoring as many goals. I, I think it's fairly unpre- it's certainly unprecedented in Mike Ashley's time at the club. I mean, you've got Newcastle winning 2 0 at Chelsea in 2012, yeah. but they were a good team at the side uh, at the time. And they, they certainly didn't that was also. I was there, and we didn't dominate them. We 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 smash and grabbed with two ludicrous Cisse goals, but it was a, it was a tight, yeah. nervy game. From we 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 deserved to win. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but we didn't batter them or anything. You know, we yeah, batted them. That's always a hard one to say. Um, well, well wasn't, yeah. wasn't the um, sorry, Alex? What wasn't the Everton results? Wasn't that weren't Everton top four then? And we were we were struggling. They were and top, we were, I think, weren't they? Yeah, they were, and, let, and, let, and let's be honest, um, we. Could have scored more. I think Wilson could have got a, easy. Got three or four. He got a two. But but Everton is one what instantly springs to mind. But I get your point in regards to how brilliant we played. Um, and I think this is why I was I was saying before. Um, you know about memorable games in the Premier League. We've had a fair few against Leicester, home and away. Um, and this will probably be the highlight of the season when we look back yeah. and do the, the the season review. That this result last night will be the highlight because. 95% of the, the performance clicked. Yes, at the end, we were ridiculous, I'm going to say this, hanging on in a way. Um, you know, if they had got a third one on the 89th minute, as they nearly did, then it would have been, shit, what's happening here? Um, but I think we've got to take it for what it is. Um, great performance, 
Leicester are a fantastic side, managed by, for me, a great manager. I would love to have Rodgers at Newcastle, simple as that. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, I th- that, that's one that springs to mind. It, before before the Ashley era, I do remember the the 3-1 at Arsenal um, and went top of the league. But again, that was a freak result. We never won in London. We were playing Arsenal away and we never got a result at Arsenal. But again, as Simon said, it was... Um, it was it was that was a smash and grab as well the three one at Arsenal back in two thousand one so it it could be Alex mate it could be yeah well well just to contextualise a little bit more you know I'd say Everton I've just checked Mark Everton were seventh when we played them but it was tight you know I think I think they got third with a with a win or something like that right um, but I think I think Everton in that Arsenal game it was going into the last five minutes of those games any result was possible still yeah. um, even though like you said Newcastle could should have scored more at Everton. Um, I just caught you know Newcastle being four 0 up on eighty minutes in that game is is something I've never experienced as a Newcastle fan. I mean, Emil, you you put in the chat Tottenham. Do you mean the home game, the five one? I I just meant Tottenham in general seem to be the team that we always do something against. They're like that we are their bogey team, if you like. I, I know that we don't necessarily dominate, but I would say that Tottenham's probably the best we've done with a team who have been around there. I'm thinking back to like yeah. The, the, the Keegan year, where when we went down and came back, I think Darren Bent opened the scoring, um, yeah, and then we yeah. went on to absolutely tear them apart. Martins, I think, scored a yeah. couple. It was on a Sunday afternoon, four-one. That would be the one that I would say was the last time. So if you if you needed I think, one, yeah. I think even even Jeremy scored in that, didn't he? Um, yeah. Jer- Jeremy loved scoring. Claudio Cachapa yeah. scored against Tottenham once. That that's how mad <laughs> Tottenham are when they come to us. They literally shit the bed. Yeah, and then there was the, the yeah the five the five-one. Um, when we'd already been relegated with Benitez, oh, fantastic. Um, which we, we smashed him as well. Um, we beat Morecambe 7-0 this season, Alex. You, you forgot yeah, to mention and, that. That, was a, that was a massive win. Morecambe. They're in Flying. the league. They're in the top league. They're above <laughs> the conference. Well, uh, you know, to, just 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 to bring Morecambe back into the fold for a second, which is definitely something I've planted all <laughs> along. Um, you know, Newport battered earlier this season. We beat Morecambe 7-0. <laughs> You want to look at the league table since we beat Morgan seven 0 flying bloody best team in the league too. They, they, could, they could go up automatically today, Morgan. Um, did Lascelles did Lascelles chin them or something? <laughs> Morgan could be playing Sunday next season. Um, I, I hope they are. Wow. Um, mm. Right, lads. Uh, I think we've gone through most of the plays. We've gone through the big results before. Before we kind of talk a bigger picture stuff about the future and about to see Bruce a little bit of love for Martin Dubravka, who who whenever Newcastle whenever Newcastle do anything right, anything good at all. Particularly under Steve Bruce, to be a little, little dig there from me. The keeper always has to play out of his skin. It's all, it's like if we win a game, we need the keeper. Even that Everton game, Carl Darlow was, you know, unbelievable. Um, you know, lads, I don't know who wants to talk about him. I'll open it up. But but Dubravka yesterday was it one of his best games for Newcastle in his one hundredth appearance in the black and white. It, I, I loved him in that pink. I tell you that. Um, I, honestly, he is. Just he always seems to impress you more and more. For all of the times that we talk about these little slips that creep into Dubravka's game, he manages to just make me look gobsmacked every single time. Um, the the big one for me was when I saw him kind of jump to one side. Um, I think it was towards the end of the game when Leicester were really creating an onslaught for him. But he, he kind of he kind of went made the save, fell to the ground. I don't know what he did with his body, but if anyone can replay that clip or has the game recorded, he kind of does what cats do if they're falling out of any height and they can 
turn their bodies to land perfectly on their feet. He kind of went towards the ground and then flipped himself. It was incredible. I know that's not really part of the performance, but I still think that, yeah, Dubravka over the last few weeks in particular has been the reason why we have felt like we can compete. And I, I always feel confident with him at the back. And yes, congratulations to Carl Darlow for everything he achieved this season, but he, he was keeping the net warm. Um, I've used that twice tonight, but today, sorry. Um, but, the, you know, it's, it's a good one. Um, but yeah, Dubravka in that net, I always say we've got a chance. We've got a chance because no matter how many shots get fired towards him, see Liverpool, we've got a chance of staying in the game at that end. And I think that matters a lot So in our current predicament. I think uh, for me, it's it's hilarious when I look back at his first game against, it was Man United, wasn't it, when Rafa it just was. threw him in. And I remember standing in the corner um, and we were singing, uh, there's only one new keeper because no one knew his name. And we, 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 we still laugh about that now because, you know, there's it, it, not many players you're saying, you think, hang on a sec, what, what's he called again? And, and um, there was a, a fella called Brian Penis, who you may remember in the, in the, uh, in the late 90s. And he, he made his debut in a pre-season game down at Birmingham. And the fans, everyone was going, what? what? So his nickname was, his nickname was Watsy. Because people were singing, what's he called? What's he called? Was, <laughs> name? was but, he a bit uh, of a flop? <laughs> yeah, he didn't stand up, though, put it that way. But yeah, but yeah I, I mean, you know, with Dubravka, I mean, I, th- I think I Emil mean, Darlow was, was fantastic. But one thing with Dubravka, and we've touched on uh, leaders, he's a leader. You can hear him. When you're at a Paxi in Inverness Park, you can hear him shouting at the players, organising. He is suspect of mistakes. I wish he would get that out of his game. But... You know, since he's come back, we've looked a lot more, lot more comfortable. Even though we are conceding, but it, it, look, he's, he is up there. One, certainly one of our best keepers. It, certainly in my time supporting Newcastle. Yeah, I, I don't know if he's picked up when the when Leicester's first goal went in, and uh, like you, Alex, I have the 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 crowd noise off. Um, I just, you just heard Martin Dubrov go, "Oh fucking hell!" Well, it's four yeah. one, and he's absolutely gutted because he yeah. he had his eyes on the clean sheet. But yeah, his uh, determination is one thing. I don't think that was one of his best games. I think um, you know he made a couple of decent saves and a lot of saves you'd expect a goalkeeper to make. But what the difference Martin Dubravka makes, I think, is is when the game's tight at one nil and two nil, he makes those important saves and he he collects the ball and he doesn't parry it he, he catches the ball loads which takes so much pressure off the defense in terms of the panic that, that is caused by if he's just uh, just getting a t- fingertip to stuff so i think the uh, the important saves in that game came around half time when um when leicester was still you know they, they came out the better side early second half and i don't know if it was before or after half time that vardy chance where he came through and tried to knock it over him and he just yeah. just such a big presence and he just catches it and he's like nah sorry mate not getting past this so i think uh yeah at, at four nil uh we, we went a bit scattered and I wouldn't blame him for either of the goals but um, he's, he, he comes into his own at 1-0 and he did this at Liverpool uh, and against other sides when it's close he keeps us in the game and it's it's such a it's such a relief to have to have that again because it it gives Steve Bruce as Newcastle a chance in any game uh, whereas I think for a long period and, and Dala played alright but games just went and I don't know what it was and not necessarily his fault but with Dubravka you are earning an extra 10 to 15 points a season guaranteed yeah I I absolutely love having him there and it's interesting what you said there Mark about the Man United game it it wasn't a game that I was at but I just remember everyone saying yes he had a great performance but it was the first time that I think a lot of people had seen a goalkeeper communicating with the players actually pointing and saying you go there you get up that way 
Shea Given esque, you might say. And I know that we've not had we've not we've not had a bad run of of keep, keepers we, we, for for a, for a long time now. It's the one position that Newcastle United seem to flourish in. But I think that a, a guy at the back doing that and actually doing probably the the parallel of what Wilson's doing at the other end and not being satisfied with conceding or the slightest mistake and and striving to um, correct any mistake that he does make by pulling off a brilliant save a few minutes later. That is the kind of guy that we've got. And, you know, the balancing out at both ends, Wilson wanting to make sure he gets that third goal or perfect the second one and, and Dubravka shouting fucking hell, <laughs> which is brilliant. So, yeah, I love it. Passion. <laughs> I love how Dubravka has ad- adopted a, a London accent, Emil. Um, yes. Time in, in England. Let's talk about... Sorry, let's, let's talk about Steve Bruce. Let's talk about the season at Newcastle. You would say, if you were a, a betting man, which I know you occasionally are, Sai, right now <laughs> could eclipse um, that points total from last season, which I don't I don't even think Bruce himself will be the first to say some sort of miracle achievement. But in the context of where Newcastle United were, particularly after that Brighton game, but for much of the period from, say, December to March, you know, I, I will admit I thought we were getting relegated. I was wrong. I didn't think I didn't think the what did, what did you say, Mark? Is it two defeats? Yeah, two defeats in the last 10, 10 games. We could be looking at potentially three defeats in the last thirteen. Um do, do you think Sai there is there is an argument to say that Bruce, like Mark had said earlier, deserves some credit for the turnaround and to lead the team next season. Whereas I think, you know, the Chronicle did a poll and it was like 99% of people or 95% of people wanted Steve Bruce sack, which I think is is representative. Um, do, do, do you think that a, that potentially a corner has been turned without getting too ahead of ourselves, particularly on the True Faith podcast where we have been, we've hammered him, we've absolutely hammered him, right, rightly so, I think we'd argue, but we have hammered the man. You know, I didn't think he was capable of the turnaround. He has turned it around, Si. Where do you see the future with Steve Bruce as Newcastle manager? Yeah, there's an there's, there's intricate difference between have we turned a corner and have we turned it round. We've turned it round because we all thought we were getting relegated and we all thought it would fall off a cliff. Fair play. We haven't done that. And I'll put my hands up and say I was wrong. We're, you know, we're not as bad as that. Um, I still think that's much more down to the fact that we have got a much better squad of players than anyone has really given credit. And once they're all fit again, you know, Wilson's taken a while to get fit. Um, Maximan was... was Took a while, but once fit again, he's been he's been massive. Matt Ritchie wasn't unfit, but coming back in the team, we haven't talked about Matt Ritchie yet, and and he was class as second assist in particular, but two brilliant assists corner as well. Dumb it, there's so much to talk about. Um, but no, uh, bigger <laughs> picture, Craft. bigger picture. Yeah, yeah, good, <laughs> good first name. Um, the uh, no, we haven't turned a corner. At least I'm not convinced of that yet. Uh, he has got three games to finish this season strongly. And yeah, all right, I don't care about points totals. And the highest we can mathematically finish, I think, is 13th. Still not very good, but 13th, given the season we've had, would be respectable, given the, the plight we were in just over a month ago. So we have to finish the season strongly. We have to finish... All right, Man City will probably get beat. As long as you don't lose like 5-0 and absolutely write it off and just, just shit it off. Um, I can live with that. Yeah. We have to beat Fulham and we have to beat Sheffield United and, and then finish the season in form 
unlike what we did last year, where we just absolutely pied it, which led straight on to the next season, and we just start off as a disorganised rubbish team again. Finish the season strongly. One, your players like Willick, your players like Maximan, your players like Wilson aren't as tempted to move on. If we finish badly and then end up finishing 17th, where's the incentive for our best players to stay? Whereas if we at least put a bit of form together, and that includes these last three games, and finish 13th, which is still rubbish, but it's better than 17th, um, then then there's something for us all to get behind and fans back in the stadium next season. If if we start off well and get a couple of results early doors, Bruce has then bought himself a bit of time because there's no real need for everyone to get in his back if we've finished the season well and started the next one well. However, that's that's all a big if for me and I'm not convinced of it. And I think we could just as easily get battered by Man City. Watch Fulham will be mathematically relegated by then, as will West Brom, so the, the, the job will be done. And then... If the last two games don't really play out as well as they could, then then for me it has to change in the summer. But Bruce has the opportunity. He has the opportunity. He hasn't proven it yet, but he has the opportunity to give himself a chance to start the next season with a clean slate. Yeah, I was just going to say as well. Um, I think it was last week, Alex, when you said something about the salvage job, or, or someone mentioned about a salvage job with the club, saying that that would at least make this season slightly more bearable than what it was. But, you know, as well as that, I think that next season is a big one because we are going to get a full season of fans in the stadium. You'd like to think anyway. I mean, it's still mad to think that Bruce's first season, half of it was played without fans towards the end. And you might wonder and think, well, what would have happened after the Southampton game when we won away there? Um, you know, if we came back to St. James's and and played Sheffield United as as planned, would we have gone and done better with the fans in the stadium? Because we, we did really well. Um, and I know there was the argument saying, will Joel Linton play better with the fans not on his back or something like that? And, you know, he got, he got, he got a goal, didn't he? So, um, just for the tinfoil hat there. Yeah, one goal. <laughs> yeah, what, what a goal it was, bundled in. No, the, the, the point is, I think that um, it's going to be down, make or break, really. And it's all about learning from the mistakes. I know that last season ended so, so badly and it was compounded by the the miserable way that we went out of the FA Cup that was happening. And we, we had so much hope for that game with fans in on that, that Saturday night. Uh, I still wonder what might have been. Um, but yeah, Sai makes a very interesting point saying that it's all about how we start the next season. And another thing is is the teams that are coming up how do we know that, I mean, who's going to be the Sheffield United next season? Are we going to be the Sheffield United next season? I'd like to think not, but who's going to be that team that completely bombs? Because there is always one. My my bet would be whoever comes through the playoffs because, I mean, Christ, if Barnsley get up, that'd be great, but they're going to be the, the whipping boys. Someone told me about like their wages being less than one of our players or something. It's 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 madness if, if that happens, but there will be a team like that. Then you've got the two teams who you would expect to struggle. I mean, Norwich didn't really do much to convince many people uh, last year. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the other team, is it Watford coming up? Wat, Watford are, I would say, fairly well-equipped to to stay in the Premier League. And But, but again, the, you know, Leeds have been an anomaly this year. So we just don't know what to expect. So it's all about that preparation. And with fans in, Bruce's... It's in his hands how we react to that. Yeah. I think the fans in is a really good point. And, and you know, you look at that Sheffield United game coming up, which um, lots of people listening and watching this, I'm sure, have, have entered the ballot uh, to try and to try and get a ticket. Um, you know, that game a few weeks ago was looking like an absolute 
disaster for Bruce. You know, I think one one Premier League club out of the twenty said they didn't want the fans back in because of the logistical issues, and a lot of people assumed that was Newcastle United. Though Henry Winter, the journalist who broke that story, said it wasn't. Um, but, you know, if fans had been organised, like I, I keep saying, they need to be organised. They should have clubbed together, and every club should have asked them if it was their club, and we could have worked it out by process of who he ignored. But he said it wasn't Newcastle, so. Bruce has now got that Sheffield United game and, and we have the Man City game first and of course we will have a full Manchester City preview for this week on our Patreon platform. £5.50 a month for lots of extra Newcastle United podcasts. We'd love to have you with us. Um, but that Man City game comes just before the Sheffield United game and like you correctly say, Sai, a great opportunity for Bruce to finish the season on a high and, and the, the players get you know a longer break this summer. I don't think we'll have any players apart from Cher who will be involved in the European Championships, so the, the players should come back fairly refreshed, assuming, of course, he signs a new contract, he might not be playing for anymore. Um, but there's a little bit of hope there, and there's a little bit of positivity, and there's a little bit of let's see what we can do. I think your point size is an excellent one, and Craig Hope, Hope made this point last night on the uh, on, on social media when he said he's, he has long said, and he said, I think he said it on our podcast at the start of the season uh, that he did with us, that he said this squad was capable of pushing into the top 10, I, I would agree with them. And I would say that, you know, what, what we need with Newcastle is some consistency. And Steve Bruce has referenced this in interviews and kind of talks about consistency as this myth- mythical thing that one day, if you're lucky enough, you'll stumble across and all will be well. You know, Newcastle need Newcastle need to be better in every aspect as a football club, as a football team, as, as, as a coaching team. What this result does against Leicester is it shows that we can beat nearly any team in the league. And that is a powerful thing. And that's why it was such a big result last night. I know that if we go to Manchester City and we play like we did last night, we have a chance of winning the game. And what we've seen previously, let's go back to that cup quarterfinal that Emil referenced last season. Let's go back to Manchester City away last season. Manchester City away on Boxing Day this season. Newcastle went into those fixtures hoping to get in, get out with a two-goal deficit. What Steve Bruce needs to do if he's going to be anything like a successful Newcastle United manager is approach the game on Friday expecting and hoping to take something from the game. That's all I want to say. We're not asking you know, for, for the impossible here. Let's go into a Premier League fixture against a Premier League team and see if we can beat them. And that's what the previous manager did. And that's what I want Steve Bruce to do. And I don't think it's a lot to ask. Mark, can you, uh, can you take us home and finish this podcast off? No, <laughs> I think I think the thing with Steve Bruce personally, it's too far gone. I think uh, there was a, there was a big there was a big uh, sort of campaign last season when there was talk of the uh, the takeover or the no takeover, and there was a big there was a big thing said that Steve Bruce should be thanked for making sure Newcastle are safe in in a position to make sure the club's sold as a Premier League club. Now, um, you know, we're still waiting to join the dots on that one, but but I think I think the point the point I'm trying to make is. Is at this at this point now, Steve Bruce can, for me, walk away and go. You know what? You've had a good end of, end, of your, um, end of the season. What you've put the foundations there for some good good players to kick on. Um, but for me personally, and a lot of people I speak to and engage with, um, I think it's too far gone. I think supporters will go back in, and, and as you've rightly said. End the season positively. Start next season positively. There's a good opportunity that the fans will just switch off from that and just. Back the team. That's the, the the focal point. But I think there'll be it'll be one bad performance or one slip up in the media away from supporters going, "Nah, I'm not having this again." Straight back at him. But we've seen it with Sunas. We've seen it with Pardew. Their positions at Newcastle become untenable. They become poisonous for Pardew. And when you look back now, if 
I think we all agree if if supporters had been in the ground over the last eighteen months, Steve Bruce would not be our manager. He wouldn't be yeah, our manager. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I agree. Well said. Well, we've done nearly an hour and ten minutes. Look what happens when you win a game of football. I'll finish <laughs> it off by thanking you, Simon Mark. Great to have you on. I mean, hopefully you'll be back on very soon and, and hopefully regularly for the listener. Listeners, more than one. Uh, I'm going to plug for YouTube in particular, but also if you're listening, here you go, hold it up. Brand new, True Faith, Newcastle Look at the lovely cover. Isn't it nice? Making a very important point about the big six. Be absolutely classic if you could buy it. We're ordered more issues this time because we keep selling out. So hopefully, if you buy one, I will post it to you. £2.50 plus postage and packaging. We'll post anywhere in the world. You can also get a digital copy for £1.50. That's been, or this has been the True Faith Podcast. Thank you to you, lads. Thank you to everyone who has been listening and watching. We'll be back probably same time next week after the Man City game. And before then, of course, you'll catch at least four extra Newcastle United podcasts on our Patreon platform. We appreciate your support. Speak to you very soon. Bye-bye. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.